0: All right, our scripture today comes out of Luke 23, beginning in verse 32. Listen for the word of the Lord. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to a place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would guide the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, that all those that are gathered here and those at home, Lord, would receive the message you have for us today. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this picture, we usually read this around Easter and, and Black or uh, Good Friday, uh, but this picture is a picture of the culmination of Jesus' ministry and really comes down to what we've been talking about the last two weeks. Here we have two, two criminals, on, one on the right, one on the left, and Jesus is in the middle. You know, if we go back, remember what we talked about last week with Paul's conversion? Uh, He wasn't converted from being irreligious to religious or from uh, uh, anti-theism to theism. He, He was a religious man. All of that, it came down to one thing. Who did he say Jesus was? Was Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God? And he came through his experience in the desert to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And here you have Jesus on the cross, his most vulnerable moment. And you have one on the right and one on the left, one that acknowledges who he is and the other who does not. And so this picture is what it comes down to all of us. You even hear it in the the story, if you are the Messiah, if you are the chosen one. It all comes down to who do we say Jesus is. So, it's the same with us. You know, it doesn't matter what we've done, as Josh talks, in our life, or, or when we accept and remember the story how we opened uh, this series a long time ago about the workers in the field and how they came At different times of the day, some at the beginning worked all day, and some at at quitting time, and they all received the same reward. This criminal was on his deathbed. He was going to be dead. And yet, he acknowledged who Jesus was. He accepted him as the Messiah, the, the Son of God, and Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. And that's the same thing for us. It doesn't matter when we come to this conclusion in this lifetime that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. It matters that we do, that we have this experience. It doesn't matter if we did it when we were five years old or if we did it in 90 on our deathbed. This life is an opportunity for us to get reconnected to the source of life, to the creator of all living things. Uh, We know through the story, through sin, through selfishness, we are separated from God, the source of life, and as we go, this body wears out, our mind wears out, even our spirit eventually will go out, unless we are connected to the source of life, unless we are born of the spirit, And this is the opportunity in this wisp of a life that goes by so quickly. We have an opportunity to accept that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the chosen one, God's Son. And it does not matter when we do that. As this criminal was about to die, and the ironic thing in this piece This criminal was at his last few moments in this life and came to acknowledge Jesus for who he was and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So he might have been at the last moments of his life but he was gonna be first in the kingdom that Jesus was ushering in. And so we remember that this is God's grace. Two criminals. We see God's grace just poured out, poured out in this story. Two criminals that he says, we are guilty of what we have done. And yet Jesus is there. Jesus accepts him because he acknowledged who Jesus was. He knew in his heart, just like Paul knew in his heart, that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Son of God. And we see this grace poured out upon the cross. And we don't just see it there. We see it in Jesus' ultimate words of grace. He says, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. The people that have put him on the cross, the people that had called for this, the people that are mocking him. He says, forgive them for they do not know what they were doing. All week, every time I read that phrase in my head or said it out loud, I thought, I wonder, I just pictured Jesus looking down at the mess that we are. I can't speak for other countries, but I can speak for our mess. You know, with this politics and, and the, the riots and just one nonsense after another, and I, I just see Jesus looking down all the time, going, oh, forgive them, they have no idea what they're doing. It's obvious, right? Now, I know God has done that. Jesus has done that a lot with me throughout my life, and still every now and then He looks down and goes, "Oh Lord, you're gonna have to forgive him. He has no idea what he's doing." All right, anybody relate to that? Yeah, a little. It'd get you for lying. The thing about human nature, remember, the Bible is not a history book. The Bible is about human nature, about God's nature, and the relationship between the two. And so we can learn a lot about ourselves, and that's what we do in Scripture. We, we go to Scripture to learn about ourselves and our unfaithfulness, our unpredictableness, our rebelliousness. Um, and we learn about God's faithfulness, and God's righteousness, and God's love, and God's grace. And so, it's not a history book. It's about our nature and God's nature. And one thing we learn that our nature has not changed at all. We look around. Now, we have civilized, I guess you could say, in technology and our knowledge of how things work in the world. But our nature has not improved at all. If we're honest, just look back at the uh, 20th century and the wars and the, I mean, just look at. What's going on in the last 20 years? Our nature has not changed at all, and so our solution has not changed either. Our solution is not in our own ability, our own righteousness, our own faithfulness. Our solution, our answer to our predicament is Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. We see the nature, that whole nature lived out in this story, in the crowds, how fickle they were. They were just a few days ago praising him and and, and waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna. Well, because they were saying he is the Messiah. But there's a problem with that. These are the same ones that are yelling crucify him and, uh, and are mocking him. It doesn't seem as odd if we really know what that story is that we celebrate on Palm Sunday. We usually misunderstand that. See, the palm branch was almost like a political flag. What they were waving in and celebrating when Jesus came in just a few days before the crucifixion, they were waving in a radical who was going to take over. He was going to lead the rebellion, and they were going to... um, be the oppressors instead of being the oppressed. And so they misunderstood who Jesus was. See, what happened is, and what happens with us, because we have our idols, our different idols, right? We have money and power and the things of this world, different things we put in place of God and we seek our fulfillment and our happiness from those things instead of God instead of our relationship with Christ. We have idols, but one idol us church people have is our own Jesus. We like to, just like the crowds, they had made Jesus who they wanted him to be. They wanted a worldly king. They wanted a worldly rebellion And they had made Jesus into this person, a Jesus of their own construction. And when he didn't live up to that, they were done. They were out. And we do that too. We make Jesus who we want him to be. You know, we're supposed to be being made, born anew, and being made in the very image of Christ, and yet us as Christians are constantly trying to make Christ into our image. We're trying to make a Jesus of our own making. You know how I know that? Think about it. You notice how Jesus never disagrees with you? Right? He agrees with me on everything. And you notice, and there's got to be a couple different Jesuses because I know one Jesus is definitely liberal progressive. (laughs) And I know another Jesus is definitely conservative. You see what I mean? We make Jesus into who we want him to be. Not just in politics, in all kinds of different ways. That how's it going to benefit me? And we do it without even realizing it. And we constantly are trying to not grow in the image of Jesus, but we're trying to make Jesus into our image. And then what happens? We see it as pastors all the time. I'm looking at two pastors, we've seen it. That's why people fall away. Because they make a Jesus of their own expectation and when he doesn't live up to their expectations, then they say, I'm done. We'll go try and find this someplace else. But those that are being molded and shaped in the image of Christ and becoming, letting Christ shape them in who he always intended them to be, those are the ones that grow as discipleships, grow in their love, grow in their relationship for Christ and for others. So we don't mess it, make, a, understand this, when as we look at this scene on the cross where Jesus is between two criminals, crucified, tortured, a horrible, ugly scene, the, the, all the awfulness of humanity in one moment. Jesus did not go through all of that to make a better version of you. For a self-help, to take the worldly you, the sinful you and just to clean you up a little bit Jesus did not go to the cross do all that he did to make you a better version of you he went to the cross and did all he did died was buried and raised again to make a whole new you second Corinthians 517 says, if you are in Christ Jesus, then you are a new creation. The old has passed away. In Ephesians, they're saying, take off the old self, put on the new self. Jesus did not come to make a better version of the worldly you. He came to make you a new creation in his image, not ours. But too often, We just use this religion, this faith, this relationship as a self-help program. And not a change your life program. You know, and we just end up being the same old us, just cleaned up a little bit. And so then, then the old self is just underneath there. I was watching a war documentary one time and it was talking about human nature and it, how war brings out the worst, or situations, maybe pandemics, maybe riots, maybe different things, but those kind of stressors will reveal who you really are. And I love this quote. He said, the veneer of civilization is very thin. The veneer of us and our righteousness can be very thin, too. If we're just dressing up the old you, if we're just putting a mask on. I, my grandpa had a saying, you can put a tie on a hog, but it's still just a hog. We are. Jesus did this so we might become a new creation, that we might give ourselves fully to the process the process that we are born of the Spirit and then we are constantly growing in the Spirit, growing in the very image of Christ, wrestling with ourselves and with God and yielding to God's will, not our will. This process of growing in the image of Christ, not making Christ in our image, this process started in this story. It started with a death. All right, look at the criminal. It started with, he, he, he was gonna die. And then Jesus' death opened the door for all of us. But just because Jesus went to the cross, as the song says, to pay a debt that he did not owe, cause we owed a debt that we could not pay. Just because Jesus took our place doesn't mean we don't. Same thing happens to us. The path to this new birth, this new creation, comes through a death. My death. I must die to myself of who I was of who I was in this world and the sin and the selfishness and all of that, I must go to the cross and give that person up, say that I might, as Romans says, that I might be buried with Christ and raised to new life. It begins with our death, this process. And John it says, I must decrease so he can increase. If we're stunted in our growth as a Christian, we need to examine ourselves. Maybe there's some areas we might not, that we um, haven't really fully died to, that we might need to decrease a little more so that Jesus and the Holy Spirit can increase. All of the good news, all the rebirth, all that has happened to us through Jesus Christ begins with a death our death, so that we might be raised to new life. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your love that's poured out upon us. Lord, the grace that you have that caused you, as you hung on the cross, to say, Lord, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Lord, I ask your forgiveness in those times where you have to look at me and say, Lord, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Lord, help us to receive your grace. More fully die to ourselves that we might be more fully filled with you to the point of overflowing, that it goes to those around us, in our families, in our communities, that grace fills us, and pours out of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.